Good evening, everyone. I'm not quite as prepared as I usually am tonight. I went to a doctor's appointment today that was supposed to be about an hour long that turned into, I want to say like four and a half to five hours instead because they decided that I should go to the hospital for monitoring. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, They are telling me that I'm probably going to end up delivering earlier than I would have initially, which is exciting. Can't wait to meet the baby early. Everything's looking well with the baby. Um, and development is trucking along right as supposed to. Good evening, Martin. Hello, Mr. Proxy. Happy fall to you for sure. It is cooling down here. I've been very gratified. Um, it's been getting down into the low 90s lately as opposed to the high 90s, which is a very nice change of pace for sure. Um, looking forward to it getting down to like the 70s at some point. I actually cannot wait until it gets cold enough that the iguanas start falling out of the trees because I've heard that that's actually a phenomenon down here and I am looking forward to it because that sounds entertaining if nothing else. It's literally a threat. You have to look out for them. Good evening, Lori. But tonight I'm a little less prepared than usual just because I was in the hospital and not as focused on reading the news as I usually am. Um, They did. My blood pressure was much, much lower than it usually is. It was like 102 over 62 at one point, which is very low. You don't want to be that low. And even just this evening after I got home, I was dizzy. So hopefully nothing bad happens with that. But we'll see. Whatever happens, happens. As long as the baby is healthy, I am happy. So... I don't know if you guys saw this news, but it looks like they're going to try to impeach Joe Biden, which is very exciting. (laughs) The left has a lot to say about it, obviously. I don't really have so much to say about it, but I will say that I think he's done enough bad stuff. Holy cow. That, um, yeah, he deserves it fully. Like, oh, wow. Wild stuff. And you guys know, you guys, if you've been tracking this stuff, you know what's up with that. You know how bad it is. You know what Hunter's done. You know what the laptop has on it. That stuff's crazy. Not a big fan of that stuff. It's very shady. But we'll see what happens. We'll see if the the GOP has the political will to make it happen. I'm not convinced. I'm not a huge fan of the GOP at this point. Um, But who knows? Stranger things have happened before. Uh, The iPhone 15 is coming out, which means that all of you guys who use iPhones currently will soon see your old iPhones start to slow down and become less useful. So that's fun. I'm just glad that I don't use a phone that slows down every year. (laughs) Uh, We'll look at a claim. We'll we'll kind of dissect the idea of whether going vegan can decrease climate change. In fact, we'll start with that. We'll see what's going on with that because that's coming from the Daily Mail and we know them and we love them. Mr. Proxy says, Liz, you must be ready to pop. I have a picture of myself over on my Instagram from yesterday because I was wearing my 9-11 t-shirt and I was surprised how little it looks like I'm ready to pop. Now they will say, they will tell you that because it is, if it is your first pregnancy, you will show a lot less than if once it's your second kid because your body kind of remembers what to do and it expands to the size it's supposed to be right from the get-go. Um, I'm not huge, at least not from the front. Certainly from the side though, I look like a bus. It's great. All right, you guys, let's get into it. Will becoming a halfway vegan curb climate change? According to scientists, the answer is yes. I will tell you why it's probably not actually better for the environment. Let's see. 
A study claims going 50% vegan would reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The claim is that everyone would need to be vegan for the next 27 years. Ah, that's not going to happen. Um, scientists claim going 50% vegan could curb climate change. A new study suggests swapping half of your meat and dairy products for plant-based alternatives for the next 27 years could drop emissions by 31%. Yeah, but that would mean that everyone would have to do it and they would have to keep it up for the next almost 30 years. Now, I don't see that happening. I don't know about you guys. I have no interest in going vegan. I do appreciate having a well-balanced, colorful diet full of all these different vegetables. It's really fun to make a great soup with all this stuff. Um, one of my favorite things to get from Panda Express is their mixed greens because just a whole bunch of different kinds of greens, kale, uh, cabbage, broccoli, all sorts of stuff in there, and it's really great. Meat-heavy diets risk our health and that of the planet as livestock farming on a massive scale destroys habitats and generates greenhouse gases. This is just stated as a matter of fact, but I don't think that's exactly the case because I don't think the meat itself is an issue. I think the way that we raise our animals is probably more of that. And we should have a really big conversation about factory farms at some point because I have such an issue with the way these animals are raised and it strikes me as so unethical and not kind. And as somebody who is raised in like a conservative religious Christian background, I can't help but look at the world around us and be like, hey, you know, maybe we should be good stewards of the world that we live in because if God gave us this world, we should take good care of it, right? And we'll see what happens. Such transitions are challenging and require a range of technologies and innovations and policy interventions. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Given the magnitude of benefits we should we show from substituting meat with plant-based alternatives for global sustainability, climate action, and human health, this research provides important food for thought. For consumers, food producers, and policymakers. The only kind of transition that I could really get behind making would be switching over to maybe a pescatarian diet because fish as a form of protein is an excellent choice. It's low in calories. It's high in omega-3s. It's really good. It's good for you. All this other stuff. I think that's probably the better course of action. So that way we could shift away from all these animals, these farm animals, cows, chicken, pigs, that are taking up a lot of space and who are unethically, I believe, raised. And we, if we altered the, the requirement for those things, maybe, we'd, maybe we would have a better risk of, or a better opportunity to um, cut some of the, the risks that they tell us we're facing. We could try it. It would be better for us personally. But at the end of the day, I don't think that eating red meat is really the biggest issue. I think it's all the oils and everything and all the sugar and all the processed crap. Royster's Place says, I must eat cow and pig. Sure, absolutely. You have every right to do so. (laughs) All right, let's read a little bit about this impeachment proceedings coming up. McCarthy announces impeachment inquiry of Biden. Alleges Biden did lie to the American people about knowledge of family business. Cites nearly $20 million on foreign payments to Biden family business. Says former VP's office coordinated with Hunter's associates about Burisma. Impeachment inquiry will will be led by chairs James Comer on oversight, Jim Jordan on judiciary, and Jason Smith on ways and means. All of those guys have all of my respect. They're doing good work over there. The American people deserve to know that public offices are not for sale, Speaker McCarthy says and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. Of course, that's true. I got blocked by this person for asking, suddenly you don't like impeachments. We tried to tell you that precedent, what precedent you were setting, but no, you wouldn't listen. Here you go. I am correct. 
The Democrats wanted to impeach Trump nonstop. But now, now that it's coming for Biden, they suddenly don't like it. And what they do in response when you call them on it is block you immediately. This is the quality of dialogue that you get from the left on Twitter, at least. So very interesting stuff there. Let's see how his polling is doing. Let me look over here. No, not that one. No, not that one. <laughs> not that one. Mm. Oh, yeah, there's lots of talk of Biden. Let me see if I have the, uh, I thought I had, okay, let's look into Lid's Twitter feed because it's somewhere down here where they were looking at these, um, polling for Biden and it is not looking good. From my understanding, he is currently tied with former President Trump in terms of popularity. Now that's not good enough for Biden or for Trump. Somebody needs to be doing better, but right now nobody is. Now we still have a full year left. Hmm. Where is this? Where is it? We lost it. Huh. Oh, yeah. There's that video of that teacher screaming at the camera about how gay she wants to make everything. Man, I don't know. It's no good. Let's see. CNN. Biden. That was from the Daily Caller, I think. Is Manchin going to challenge Biden for the nomination? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, this is what I was going for. CNN data reporter. Look at where Biden is. 39%. That is the second worst on record. Why is it such a big deal that Joe Biden's approval rating is so low? Because normally elections involving incumbents are referendums. Yes. I tweeted in response to this and I said, I want nothing more. I want nothing more than for 2024 to be a referendum on Joe Biden, not on Donald Trump. Because if it's, if, if it's a referendum on Donald Trump, it's just going to be exactly the same as it was in 2020. We need somebody who can show Biden for exactly who he is. And Trump was not able to do that. The other thing about this polling, Trump in 2019 was only at 40%. Biden is barely doing worse than Trump was at this point in his presidency. And that should that should worry people, but it's not going to, at least not the very stubborn acolytes. I'm constantly just like I'm trying to tell you guys that this is not going to end well and they're just like la 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 don't care don't care don't care. I would rather vote for Biden than anyone other than Trump. Don't care still voting Trump and I'm just like what is wrong with you people? I don't think this is a winning strategy. Rooster's Place says, if you've been to Korea in the 90s, you probably did eat cats or dogs. Or Italy, you might have eaten horse. Yeah, I've never understood why we don't eat horse. Because cows are actually more intelligent than horses are, and I think pigs probably are as well. But for some reason, horses are off limits. Now, cows have served us in a very similar capacity to horses over the course of our agricultural history. But here we are. For some reason, horses are sacred. I just don't get it. But here we are. He lost re-election to Joe Biden. And then, Ronald Reagan, 42 percent. He, of course, blew everything out. So things can change as we go look going forward. But I want to know, why is it such a big deal that Joe Biden's approval rating is so low at this particular point. And it's because 
Normally, elections involving incumbents are referendums. And I want to look at the worst approval ratings. In- yes, they are. They are referendums. And like I said, I want it to be a referendum on Donald Trump. Mr. Proxy says, I don't know. You can get horse meat pretty much anywhere. Really interesting. Because I remember there being a bit of a scandal when there was horse meat in some kind of burger or something. Maybe I'm thinking of the Bob's Burgers episode. Not sure. I digress on that count because I can't keep it straight. Horse meat isn't very tasty, to be honest. Maybe that's why. Just not good. Just don't like it. But, yeah. Let's look at what some of the left is saying about, (laughs) and I include the bulwark in this, even though they consider themselves conservatives. They're not. Let's see what Ian Milheiser has to say. And for 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 reference, this is who Ian Milheiser is. And then we're going to read this tweet from him and it will all make sense. Senior correspondent for Vox, author of The Agenda, How a Republican Supreme Court is Reshaping America. Ian has this to say <laughs> about Joe Biden. And the first comments are just mocking him mercilessly, understandably. A major political party harassing a father for years because his son struggles with addiction is one of the most disgusting spectacles I've witnessed in U.S. politics. And I'm going to stop Ian right the heck there because that's not what this is about. And he knows it. He knows it. So this is their distraction play. This is their red herring. And this is how they get away with it. Obviously, Republicans are only going after um, Hunter Biden because he is was struggled with addiction. That's all there is to it. There's nothing else there. Damon Tawell says, even you don't believe you. That's a fair analysis. Bonchi says, just a father showing his love. I said, I know you had to practice typing this out a bunch of times before you got the nerve to make it happen. Corruption is an addiction. Yikes. The issue is not that the son struggles with addiction. The issue is that while the son was busy leading the life of a dissolute junkie, various people and entities were stuffing his pockets with money and those people and entities may have gotten access to and favors from the, uh, from the father. That is correct. That is exactly the case. And Ian doesn't care because Ian has an agenda to push. Like we were talking about the other night, the author uh, of the Washington Post piece about how the conservatives just hate um, Biden because he likes ice cream and pets dogs. He knows it's nonsense. We know it's nonsense. It's nothing but frippery. It's just a distraction from what's really going on. Everyone knows it, but it's not changing what they're saying because they have an an agenda to push and nothing's going to change that. So from um, the bulwark, let me see if I could find that. Yeah. Monica Sharon syndicated columnist, policy editor at thebulwark.com, host of the Beg to Differ podcast. Yeah, the Bulwark is not, not, not good. <laughs> she says of Biden, he did fine at the Hanoi press conference. Americans need to see that he's not senile. Interesting. Dr. Richard Harambe says he lied about going to ground zero the day after 9-11 happening. Yeah, it's correct. <laughs> and Jim teasingly says, wow, nitpick much? Yeah, he's joking because that's a very big allegation to make. You did not do what you said you did, but you know that you can lie because the mainstream media and the people at the bulwark will cover for you no matter what you say. Tom Elliott says you have the worst job in America. Stephen Miller says you did the he's fine meme and it's just spectacular. 
<laughs> Indeed, it is spectacular. I said, I would love to see that, Monica. Where can I find proof of that? I can't find proof that he's not senile. And the fact that you, Mona, sorry, I said Monica, not Mona. I got her name wrong. Forgive me. The fact that she <laughs> thinks that she needs to tell people that Joe Biden isn't senile is incredibly alarming to me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, the other thing I've noticed is that people keep saying the economy is great. What's wrong with all you idiots? You just can't see this for what it is. And I'm like, guys, if the people think the economy is bad, I got news for you. That means the economy is bad because the people comprise the supply side of the economy. Like they're the people who are using their money to purchase things and make stuff happen. So if their impression is that things are not going well, it turns out that things actually won't. We've been said hi. Hello. Hello. Serenko says, did she not watch the video? The video was insane. At the end, he says, well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to bed. He was talking constantly about how his, he's not allowed to say certain things literally by his handlers. And it's just like, dude, why did they decide to humiliate him like this? I genuinely don't understand it. He is not holding up well and they know it. And they had him go to Vietnam anyway. And I can't imagine doing that to someone who is so fragile with such a tenuous grasp on reality. That's just wild to me. Well, I really don't want to click this, but we will anyway. They're going to want to make me pay for it. We're not going to. I just want to see her byline. The president sounds sharp on his round the world trip. More of that, please. Does he? Our octogenarian president traveled 8,000 miles to meet with India's premier and to attend the G20 summit in New Delhi. He then flew another 2,000 miles to visit America's new pal, Vietnam, all over the course of just five days. Okay, so he made a trip. Good for him. That's a demanding trip, even for a younger person. After meeting for several hours with the General Secretary of the Communist Party of Vietnam, Biden held a formal press conference, formal press conference and he did fine. Yes, his voice is weaker than it used to be and his gait is stiff, but on the matter that currently has 62% of the public seriously worried, namely whether he has the mental acuity to serve as president, his performance should be reassuring. I'm going to circle back to what I just had to say about the economy and all the people lecturing us, i.e. Tom Nichols, about how all these dummies think the economy is bad. If the voters think that this guy is not sharp, the guy is not sharp functionally, and it will make a difference during the election. That's a lot of people who think that he's not sharp. Uh, Martin says, OMG, when he said, good morning, Vietnam. Oh my gosh. It's embarrassing. It truly is. It truly is. I'm not a big fan. I don't like this stuff. I don't like the idea of putting someone who has really bad dementia or difficulty speaking like John Fetterman on the world stage and then just being like, all right, take it away. Good luck. That's not nice. It's really not. I hate it. And I really honestly hate this headline too. Stop hiding Biden, please. <laughs> Although maybe it is 40 chess. Maybe she thinks that if we stop hiding Biden, he won't stand a chance because everybody will realize exactly how bad his dementia is. Who knows? But to recap what I was saying, if the people looking at the economy think the economy is bad, then the economy is bad. If the people looking at Joe Biden think that Joe Biden has dementia, then for all intents and purposes, no matter what his diagnosis actually may be, he might as well have dementia because they're not going to vote for him. Sorry. It's just the way it is but they can't handle this. They need it to be, they need reality to be other than the, what it is. And it's not going to happen, unfortunately for them. 
and fortunately for us. All right, let's see here. Ian Milheiser, what a gem. Yes. Okay. So good news, everyone. I know you didn't know this, but I'm about to clue you TF in. From CNN, Americans have never been wealthier. Did you know that? Have you ever felt wealthier? (laughs) Neither have I. (laughs) I'm so excited for this. Let's see what CNN has to say. Fueled by a resurgent stock market and rising home values, U.S. household wealth hit a record $154.3 trillion during the second quarter of this year, according to federal data. Well, good for us. Aren't we the lucky ones? Don't you feel rich? I sure do. We just bought a Lamborghini the other day. Consumer wealth has now completely recovered from the recent inflation-driven drop in stock prices and real estate holdings. Oh, good. Yeah, good, good, good. Household and nonprofit net wealth increased by $5.5 trillion or 4% between the end of March and the end of June, Federal Reserve data released on Friday showed. This follows an increase of $3 trillion during the first three months of the year. The data is not adjusted for inflation. The data is not adjusted for inflation. And that's what I wanted to see. Was this adjusted for inflation? It wasn't. CNN's lying to you and that's how they're doing it. So I know that we've all been working very hard on our astute reading of the news. And honestly, this is a good use of it. If you can read it, uh, if you can read that far in, you got to read far in a little bit. You can't just look at the headline, although that is a pretty catchy headline. I got to give them that. Um, I was scoffing at it and I said, we may be wealthier than we ever have been before, but our money is worth one fifth of what it was before because we have printed so much and because inflation, that is saying inflation is so bad. And this is it. They're lying to you, but they're sliding the truth in after it. And they're saying they're daring you to notice, right? They're saying, well, I bet they won't catch this, but this is how it is. So this is your media literacy course. It's your class for the day. That's how you know what to look for. Let's see what they conclude. There's a lot of words. I'm not interested. Our customers are America's working families. They're the teachers teaching our kids in schools, the construction workers building our homes, and medical workers taking care of us. And that customer is facing a tougher economic environment, JCPenney's CEO Mark Rosen recently told CNN. He said that his company's core customers are increasingly relying on credit cards, falling behind on bills, and shifting to cheaper private label brands. So this is a really interesting way to end this article, right? The title, Americans have never been wealthier. The last sentence of the article, Americans are choosing cheaper brands. They're using credit cards more and they're falling behind on their credit card payments. Now, I recently saw an article headlined something like 61% of Americans... 61%. Oh, let's see what we come up with. Because it said basically that all Americans in all wealth brackets, yep, 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, even as inflation cools. Yes. 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And I just want to drive this home because this nothing infuriates me more than this. People will see something like, not people generally, old school conservatives, if you will, will see a headline like this and they'll say, well, this just means instead of saying, yeah, Democrats are terrible on the economy, they will say this is an issue of personal responsibility. People are bad at managing money. 
This is the perfect opportunity for us to stop and say, yeah, Democrats are really, really bad on economic policy. Here's why this is happening. Here's why we need to vote them out. We will be more responsible with our money in the future. But right now, this is largely caused by Democrat economic policies, not by personal irresponsibility. Sorenko says Americans have never been wealthier, but the dollar is worth less than ever before. Exactly. Yes. Now, this NBC article, CNBC article says more than half of U.S. adults currently live paycheck to paycheck, according to a new report. The number of Americans who say they are stretched thin has remained stubbornly high despite recent signs that inflationary pressures are cooling. So this is more of the same mindset that Americans just aren't seeing how great the economy is. Gosh, darn it. What's wrong with them? Why don't they get it? They don't get it because they're out here living in the real world. They're not journalists. They're not economists. They are literally going to the store and saying, wow, a jar of mayonnaise is now $5 where before it was something like $2. That's something that adds up. And I'm a little bit, I fall prey to this a little bit where I'm like, oh, just a couple bucks more here and there, here and there and there and there and there and there and there and everywhere. It adds up. It really adds up. And it's tough for everyone in all pay brackets. All, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all pay brackets. Let me see. All tax brackets. I think the 61% number came from that. Um, paycheck. Can't spell. Two. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can find it. Hmm. I think that was from Fox News. All right. No worries. But yeah, I just thought that was super interesting because I personally don't like being told that Americans have never been wealthier while also knowing that something like 61% of Americans are feeling more stretched thin than they pretty much ever have before because of inflation. People just don't get it. Now, while this is going on, they are turning up the pressure when it comes to how we can save the world. This is the most recent instance. And my tweet about this was when you try to take a pregnant lady's ice, there will be blood because I've never loved ice more. And I'm not to the crazy, insane, weird, horrifying point where I eat ice because I have some form of misophonia where I hate the idea of ice on your teeth. No, not good. But ice in liquids, very good. Ice is appearing everywhere from ice drinks to ice sculptures all at once. Is that because it's summer by chance, Axios? I know you guys are very smart. So while this ice trend is mostly about harmless fun, oh, here we go. We're about to be chastised for liking ice and we're going to be punished for liking being cool. The growing prevalence of drought and water insecurity point to a future where ice will be at an ever greater premium. Uh, Jim says, calm down. I agree. <laughs> Ice drinks. No, that's not going to happen. My face when I order a Coke and see mysterious clear cubes floating up. <laughs> Ultra grateful Calvin says, shut up. Honestly. I will stop using ice when the global elite stop using ice on their private jets, yachts, and oceanfront properties. Deal? That's a great deal. I like that. You know what else I saw was California going after lawnmowers. Lawn. Let's see if we can pull that one up. Sorry, I'm running, flying by the seat of my pants today because of 
spending so much time in the hospital. Green energy. I'm trying to switch everyone over to green energy. People are not loving it. That's one month ago. No, I need it more recent. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let's see if we can find it. We're going to look it up. Energy. Oh, I hate it when you go to search something and it just comes up with all these responses. I don't want the responses. I want the actual story. That's what you get for searching on Twitter, though. Oh, well. I swear I'm going to make a segment on the show where we just scroll through my Twitter and we look at exactly what everybody's saying. Like this headline, President Joe Biden's picked to be the Air Force's next chief of staff attributed the department's recruitment shortcomings in part to Senator Tuberville's hold on military promotions and nominations. That's right. That's their scapegoat right now because they want to jam through this funding with money in it for flying military members out to get abortions and sex change surgeries where they will not pay for you to go to your parents' funeral. And I was like, hey, you know what you should just do instead? You should pretend that you are going to go get this surgery, but actually go to your parents' funeral instead. I think that that would be the right way to use this. Shipwrecked Crew, whom I love, is a legal commentator. You guys should follow him. Kurt says, outlaw weirdos. This lady is crazy. I said of this lady that the only thing she's not grooming is her eyebrows because what is happening? Does she know how makeup works? I was just horrified by her makeup. I could not look away. Uh, meet Dee Dee Duffy, a preschool teacher in Cape Coral, Coral, Florida. She says she teaches her students that if they don't like their parents, they can find another family. She also teaches them to be gay. These are the people teaching your kids. She looks very stable. Right? <laughs> right? This is what stability looks like. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're all going to die. We empty the mental institution and hire them as teachers. USA. USA. Looks like she lives in her car when she's done teaching kids how to be gay, as she said. Yeah. Leave the kids alone. No one is going after kids. Okay, then ban child transitioning. Leave the kids alone. Yeah, that's exactly how it's going right now. We just have a meme review, honestly. Just teach the approved material. That's it. Had to call the school less than a week because my sixth grader came home complaining her teacher was talking to the students about her divorce. These kids are not your emotional support pets. These kids must be terrified. I agree. Holy cow. <laughs> Kindergartners. I want to learn my ABCs. Public school teachers. I said we gay today. Yeah. Unstable is exactly the word that comes to mind as well. Yes. Yeah, this is the dark side of the groom. Normal children. Prism of woke teachers trans kids. I would say at least gay kids for sure. Yep. The gay Republican says states are failing to clear their voter rolls and the DOJ is refusing to do its job and intervene. This makes voter fraud so easy. Yes, indeed it does. Teachers are just offloading their personal trauma onto kids. It's a coordinated effort by the left. Yes. You know what really is irritating to me too is that I was complaining about this, I think even before COVID because it drives me nuts. Okay. One of the biggest things I've been complaining about since before COVID started was parental willingness to simply hand their children over to the state full time, no questions asked. And then I said, might have been some fine print missed. Lori Lemon says, abolish the Department of Education. Yes, agreed. Jessica says, how and why are these people tolerated in our school system? Teachers, unions, 
pretty sure are at least partly to blame because this comment asks, why do we let such obviously broken people have so much influence in shaping our children's development? Yeah, it's man. We should have paid more attention when we, again, like I said, when we decided to hand our kids over to the state. Oyvind says we've been living in a golden era for decades. Now this is just a regression to the mean. Boomers won the lottery by being born at the best time in history. And they experienced the best music. I think that is correct for sure. Certainly they allowed ugly people to make music, which worked out really well for them. Luke Thompson, who reported initially that story out of Virginia, Talking about some more Virginia-related news, candidate for office posting videos on websites for money has a reasonable expectation of privacy. Suburban teenager in 2020 deserves to be irradiated for using a slur on Snapchat in 2016. Yes, that's because this Democrat running for office has a leak of scandalous personal tapes that she happened to put up in public for money. And now everyone's like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you doing this? This is disgusting and scandalous. And the the paper of record is like, huh, leave this poor woman alone. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't know what she was doing. And like Luke is saying, a racial slur, a viral video, and a reckoning. 2016, five years later, they're going after a white high school student who withdrew from her chosen college after a three-second video caused an uproar online. The classmate who shared it publicly has no regrets. Right. I still hate that classmate, honestly. Wild double standard, but not surprising in the least. Speaking of double standards, we have to talk about... This is really kind of annoying because there was a reporter for InfoWars who was jailed recently over his presence at... January 6th. He did not go into the Capitol building. He was reporting on what's going on on the ground on January 6th and he went to jail for it. His name is Owen Schroyer. I put it on my Instagram, but I didn't tweet about it. So let's see if we can find info about Owen Schroyer. And my note on my Instagram was that this is going to happen more often. Um, 60 days. He's only going for 60 days, but still he shouldn't be going at all. My note was that this is the new normal. We need to get used to this and we need to figure out what to do about it because this is, I mean, this is how it's going to be now and we need to get used to it and not complain about it and not put our, put our hands up and freak out about it. It's just the way it's going to be now and we have to figure out how we're going to fight back. The only thing she doesn't groom are her eyebrows. Yes. Isn't that annoying? Her eyebrows drove me crazy. According to court documents, Schreier spread election disinformation in the months leading up to the Capitol attack. Prosecutors said the documents that by December 31st, 2020, InfoWars was focusing primarily on January 6th. On January 6th, he attended former President Donald Trump's speech at the Ellipse and made his way to the Capitol with other rioters. According to prosecutors, Schreier had a megaphone with him and led chants among the rioters. Oh my gosh, that sounds so violent. Kelly said many factors went into a sentencing decision including that Schroyer played a role in amping up the crowd. Oh no, that's crazy. Guys, this is wild. This is actual banana republic stuff because Owen Schroyer was literally doing nothing except exercising his first amendment right to free speech. This is not up for debate. This is not something that's controvertible. This is his human right 
as an American citizen as outlined in the U.S. Constitution, and they are sentencing him to 60 days in jail for it. Absolutely crazy to me. Uh, Mr. Proxy says, he probably should have owned it. Alex Stein sure has. Not sure uh, what you're referring to there. Um, as far as PR management goes, you just need to be a little wise about how you come down on any kind of scandalous stuff that comes out about you. There are good ways to do it, and then there are not good ways to do it. We're going to talk a little bit about leftist compassion, and then I think I'm going to wrap it here because, like I said, I'm very tired and not fully prepared for this, but this is interesting. This is from an account called Better Soma. I'm not familiar with it. And the caption is, it's simply everywhere, a standing lack, astounding lack of humanity. And it shows the following. Walking down the sidewalk, we see what look like two people on the sidewalk. One of them is crunched over forward across his knees, surrounded by bottles, water, coffee. And the other is just a person who's simply lying on the concrete, straight up just lying flat on his right side with his hands folded. And I can't even tell if this guy, the second guy in the orange jacket, is awake. He appears to be awake, but he's certainly not moving. And I'm just shocked by this. This is in a modern American city. And we treat it like it's normal. And I have to say that it's not. That's not normal. This is insane. Very hard to tell if this guy is awake or not. I don't know if you guys can see that. No, I don't think so. Yeah, he doesn't look like he's awake, but this really disturbs me. Like, shockingly so. Because I took care of people who had really severe drug addictions when I worked in the hospital. I worked in the cardiac unit. I would see, I know I've told this story a bunch of times, I would see people who were younger than I was coming in and they were on their last legs. They had burned their hearts out. They were going to die. I had a young man who whose story stayed with me because... It was such a silly little thing. I had to go and find him a hairbrush uh, to figure out his really long knotted up hair because he had been found kind of like this, right? He'd been found passed out and his hair was relatively long. So when they found him, he was starting to get compartment syndrome in one of his legs, which is what happens when you put too much weight on one of your limbs for too long and you restrict blood flow and it can lead to all sorts of problems. And in his case, it led to septicemia, which ultimately led to him unfortunately passing away. And his story was so poignant to me because (laughs) of course I looked at his date of birth and I could see that he was younger than I was um, by a few months, which definitely put us in a very similar kind of cultural sphere when we were growing up. But for whatever reason, this guy ended up hooked on heroin. And when he died, I knew at the time that he was expecting his first child and all of this conspired to make me very sad and to really give me this outlook on drugs. And I'm not able to be a libertarian because of this, because I look at these people who are crashed out on the sidewalk like this and I'm just like, I'm not convinced that simply giving people more autonomy over their bodies is going to make the physiological effects of drugs go away. And I think that people tend to disqualify that. They're like, they're adults, they can do whatever they want. Look at this person. Does this person look like a happy human being? Does this person look like a functional human being? Does this look like something that we should culturally be encouraging? Because I don't think so. I really don't. But 
I'm I'm kind of such an interesting I'm at such an interesting crossroads when it comes to libertarianism because I like the idea of letting people do what they want, but at the end of the day I know that what is best for humans overall in general is to have cultural enforcement away from things like this, right? It doesn't have to be the state. It doesn't have to be the law saying don't do that. It should be your mom saying, "Where are you? Are you okay? I'm worried about you. Are you safe?" <laughs> And he says, let me know when you get to the part that's incompatible with libertarianism. I'm telling you right now that I don't think that drugs should be open and free to everyone. Um, and I'm not sure where it should be controlled. I don't think it should be the state. Obviously, the war on drugs hasn't worked. But again, to reiterate, I've seen the physiological effects of these things and they're bad. And I don't think that telling people, hey, you know what? You can just do whatever you want with them. Because I think that, that we see that a little bit with alcoholism and with alcohol addiction, We've made it culturally okay and culturally encouraged to drink a bunch of alcohol and to get drunk all the time. And that's really, really bad for us too. That's bad for our culture. And that's bad for us physically. Like it's literally bad from us for our brains. It's bad for our livers. It's bad for every single part of us. It's bad for unborn children. It's bad for the parents of alcohol addicts. And it's just not cool. But my solution is always to fix the culture so that the culture can say things like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do heroin. And also the culture should be healthy enough to give you everything you need to be happy without heroin. And it's such, this is frustrating because all of this stuff is so, so many facets, right? There are so many different things that you have to take into account. You have to consider parenting. You have to consider family structure. You have to consider church. You have to consider schools, like good schools, not state schools. You have to consider whether people are going to go on to have their own kids. Like, I always wonder about these people. Like, are these people the parents of children? Probably. And that's another whole different level of effed up, right? Because these people have responsibilities out there waiting for them and they've made a choice that's led to a physiological dependency that's put them in a position like this. And the solution to this stuff is that none of it's going to be easy. None of it's going to be immediate. It's not going to come from a politician. It's going to come from mom and auntie and grandma and grandpa. And it's going to come down to the fact that those people can make you feel really bad about your choices. And my generation likes to complain about that. But I will tell you right now, if that is what is keeping you in line, you need to thank your lucky stars that you have that in your life. There have been many things that I've never done in my life because I thought about what my parents and what my cousins and my aunts and uncles would think about it. And it stopped me because I care about what those people think. My, those people know me better than anybody else and they care about what happens to me. This to me looks like someone who was never told that what they did mattered to the surrounding culture. And it does. And now he's just an example of what to avoid, right? And that's a horrible position to be in. And I feel bad for him because who knows what's going to happen to him next literally just lying on the sidewalk in one of the most advanced, wealthiest countries in the world. Because of what? Because leftists decided it would be nice to let people do drugs. And this is what we came up with. So great work, everyone. Really good job. 
loving what California has to offer. Speaking of California, Nancy Pelosi has said that out of gratitude, she's decided she will stay for another term in office. Very exciting to me. I'm looking forward to that particular brand of gerontocracy. I can't even say it. Gerontocracy. There we go. Yeah, that's what it was. (sighs) Kind of depressing. But I just want to point that out because I think that it's so hard. It is very hard. And Andy gives me a hard time for this all the time. It's so hard to pin down exactly what libertarians think because all of them think something totally different. Dave Smith is a pro-life libertarian. Robert Murphy is a Christian libertarian and an economist. All of these people come from different angles and all of them have their own. This is why libertarianism doesn't ever fully form a coherent party because they are highly individualistic. They are focused on one thing and one thing only, and that is liberty. And that's fine. I understand that's better than some other things you could be focused on. The left talks a lot about compassion. That turns out to be completely fake. I mean, look at that video we just looked at there. That's horrifying. That's not true compassion. True compassion wouldn't just step over somebody lying on the sidewalk and say, hey, well, it's what they wanted to do. You know, we gave them the opportunity to do what they had in mind. Those people are addicted. You enabled them. You gave them money to make it happen. And you are partly responsible for what happened to them. And you should feel bad. But with libertarians, you can't say you guys think this because they don't. All of them think something wildly different. But there is this kind of tendency to think that it would be better if we were to just legalize all of this stuff. Not decriminalize it, completely legalize it. And that would remove the black market and all this other stuff. But my point is that it's not just the black market that is an issue with these drugs. I focus pretty much solely on the physiological impact of this stuff. And I don't think many libertarians do that. And I wish that they would. Because I fully appreciate what the free market would do for drugs right? It would make a huge difference. It would cripple the cartel. If we were just to say that all this stuff is legal, you don't have to worry about bringing it over the border. You don't have to use human smuggling. You can't use it as any kind of capital to keep people enthralled to you after you cartel, after you, you know, traffic them over the border. You can't use it to, you know, force people into sex trafficking and all this other stuff. Fine. Great. I get it. But there are other factors to take into account, especially when it comes to drugs. Now, people keep bringing up the concept of involuntary commitment, and I'm not even sure if that would solve the issue because if you are still in a culture where it's not discouraged actively from birth to age, whatever, basically your entire life where people aren't feeling fulfilled, where people aren't dating and making families and having children and going to church and feeling like they have important roles to play in the community. It doesn't really matter. You can threaten to lock them up in involuntary commitment, which is functionally jail. If we're going to talk about cutting down the number of people who are in jail, we can talk about bringing people out for those minor drug offenses. But then if we're going to immediately involuntarily commit them. It doesn't seem like much of an improvement to me. And someone is still going to have to pay for that involuntary commitment. I don't know. It's hard to know exactly what the right answer is. I'm just saying that I wish that libertarians would think about the physiological impact of addiction and of these drugs for sure. Martin says, sorry, Sour Patch Lids. I'm not responsible for other people's decisions and I do not put the responsibility of my own on them. Of course not. I never asked you to. I would never ask anyone to. And I don't want you to pay for anyone else's prison time for minor drug offenses or for their involuntary commitment, right? Because we've got to do something with them. And uh, I just don't know. 
So if you have brilliant ideas, definitely tweet them at me. I will look forward to seeing them. I just don't know, man. It's tough, but at the end of the day, it's not really my thing to solve. It's going to take all of us finding a way to build a stronger, more resilient culture that tells people that, yes, it is important to have a family. It is important to find a spouse. It's important to find work. It's important to find purpose and meaning. And all of those things will conspire to keep you from getting addicted to drugs. So that's my take on that. I don't know if it's libertarian or not. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't need to fit into a box. Just my thoughts. I know that one of the things that I noticed when I was working with addicts is that at a certain point, it's no longer your fault. You have kind of ceded responsibility to the substance to which you are addicted, which means that what happens next is not within your control. And I don't say that as a positive thing. It's not a positive thing, but it does take some of the responsibility off the individual. Because when you're addicted, you're physiologically addicted. When you are withdrawing from some from certain drugs, from alcohol, certainly, you can die if you do it wrong. Um, if you are withdrawing for, from something as simple and commonplace as antidepressants, you can severely scramble your brain if you're not careful, which is something that I found out firsthand. Um, when I decided that I was going to stop taking antidepressants, I decided I didn't really need them. I had to look up how to do it. Because I got the impression that stopping something that messed with your brain was probably a really bad idea to just do cold turkey. And it was. It sure was. So what you have to do with antidepressants is cut them down by very tiny degrees over the course of weeks. You don't just quit them. This is not a case. And I think this might be why conservatives get confused about this. This is not a case of you saying you need to stiffen your upper lip and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just stop doing what you're doing. That is not going to work. Because your body, your physical body, your physical form, your brain um, is going to have a serious lesson for you if you try to do it that way. And it's just not going to work. All right, you guys, I made it 49 minutes. I'm very impressed with myself. Mr. Proxy says, even real booze uh, is a deadly killer poison drug. Yes. Yes. Again, I have seen people struggle with alcohol withdrawal. And it's one of the worst withdrawals you can have. There are some drugs. I forget what drug it is. There's one drug that you don't really get addicted to. You can kind of stop anytime. It just has a very strong, compelling factor to it. I don't think... I can't remember what drug it is. It is not heroin for sure. Um, but, man. I wish that everybody understood more about addiction. We're talk, trying to talk about this stuff. Lori says, my sister died from drug overdose in and out of treatment at least seven times. They meet more users and get back into it. It doesn't work. Yes, I'm very sorry to hear that. I have a history of knowing people who successfully stopped doing drugs like meth. And I certainly know people who stopped drinking. And huge hat tip to all of them because that is not easy. And it tends to be something that stays with you then for the rest of your life. So... It's tough. LSD, Mr. Proxy says. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think you, I ever thought that you could withdraw from LSD. Black Pillar says withdrawal. Yes, withdrawal. So when you withdraw from alcohol, you, you start hallucinating, you start sweating, you start shaking. These are things that you do not control. So this is beyond, this is beyond the scope of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. This is, you're sick now. You're like, you're really physically sick. 
And it's not something that you can just wish away, try to tough through it. Stevie says, antidepressants turn me into a nihilist edgelord. They're terrible. <laughs> yes, they can do terrible things to you if you're not careful. All right, you guys. And he says, weird how you rarely see bad batch of booze just kill a bunch of people or make them go blind after regular dose like you used to back in the Prohibition era. Yes, that's true. Part of the issue with Prohibition was that people were making this stuff in their bathtub and that is not a good way to make stuff. Um, that's part of the reason that moonshine used to make people go blind. Mr. Proxy then reasonably points out real booze is a deadly killer poison drug. Yes, it is. And he says, for some reason, despite the fact, D-I-S-P-I-T-E, despite <laughs> the fact we've made drugs illegal, people keep ignoring those laws and taking them, then overdosing on caffeinated, on contaminated bad batches. I'm not talking about overdosing. I'm not talking about overdosing. I'm talking about just being addicted because the guy on the sidewalk in that video he didn't look like he'd overdosed. He looked like he had done a lifetime's worth of drugs over the course of a lifetime. And it had just turned him into functionally a zombie, right? So I'm not talking about overdose. And I'm not talking about bad batches. I'm talking about just doing the drugs themselves. And those are separate problems, totally separate problems. Like I completely agree. Like there's a reason that Tylenol won't make you blind, right? It's because it's created in a lab. It's because it's actually very heavily regulated by the government, probably at least partly. I know libertarians don't like to hear that either. Um, but for all the things that the government does, <laughs> regulation is one of them, I guess. So for the best, um, let's see what else Andy had to say. In the old days, they called booze spirits because when you drink, you act possessed. Well, that's certainly the case now. Spice absolutely destroyed my first cousin, not even the same person. Yes, I have seen that too. I had a guy who got up onto a toilet and unscrewed a light fixture and broke a light bulb so that he could light one of his fancy special drug cigarettes. And those are the links to which people are willing to go to. I mean, that was in the hospital, right? We had nothing that he could use to do anything like that with. And he was, gosh darn it, come hell or high water, he was going to make it happen. Um, Mr. Proxy says severe alcohol withdrawal as actually dangerous severe heroin withdrawal isn't even. Yeah. So the differences in severity of withdrawal, um, it depends on the drug. Obviously people are often surprised by how, how bad withdrawing from alcohol is for you. Severe method, methadone withdrawal is also potentially deadly. Yeah, correct. Matthew says, I can stop buying guns whenever I want. That's a different kind of addiction. That's a dopamine high addiction that you have to come to terms with on your own. It is not deadly. It could ruin you, technically, if you spend all your money on this one thing. Painful says, I'm late. I'm sorry. I put all of these up on SoundCloud. Not SoundCloud. I lied. I put them up on Spotify. So you can go and listen to them as podcasts anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mr. Proxy says, maybe going back to my older statement, leave the fear in the hands of the people, not the government. Yes, that is what I'm constantly advocating. Return it to the culture. Return the power of the guilt and the shame to grandma and mom and all the old ladies in your life who can make you feel bad about what you do. And he says, I'm not talking about the value in taking drugs or alcohol. I'm talking about the damage that is done by forcing them into the black market. Right. Exactly. And we don't disagree on that at all. Anyway, guys, that was a bit of a spiel about drug addiction. That video just made me feel really bad. And I just wanted to highlight that there is such 
such an awful physiological effect of drugs that I think that people having this conversation need to take into account. If I were still debating, I would sit down and I would write out a brief talking about the black market. We would talk about possible contamination like they had during prohibition. We talk about ways to fix all this stuff. But when it comes down to the physiological factors, I just don't know of a way to make that better. It has to be from the ground up. And that makes it really complicated. That means no politician is going to save us. Serenko says country is too big. Yeah, that's part of the problem, too. We have 330 million people. Mr. Proxy says, love you, Lids. And Andy, the stream is ridiculously underrated. Thank you. It is a well-kept secret. It is a niche enjoyability. And he says, great show. Thank you for joining us for sure. Thank you, Matthew. All right, you guys. I'm going to let you go and get ready for... Um, Timcast IRL. That's coming up at 8 o'clock p.m. It is now 7.56. I will see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. Until then, remember what we say over here. Stay safe, stay well, stay out of Target. Until next time, bye guys.